It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello and welcome to America WK. This is Andrew WK, your host and hopefully your friend, back with you for our 21st episode. What a significant number to reach. The show has truly become an adult. I remember when I turned 21, it was the first time I ever got drunk. Although that wasn't necessarily part of some kind of plan, uh, it just happened. And I realized that I had never really tried very much alcohol before I was 21 because it wasn't allowed. It wasn't legal. Uh, It never really occurred to me to not follow the rules in regards to drinking, at least. And I remember uh, the feeling primarily of getting drunk was all based in my spine. It was all centered in my spinal column, or rather the feeling of uh, a lack of spine, not so much in terms of my personality uh, or, you know, courage or bravery. I I wasn't spineless, although I was kind of uh, gentle and, and loopy. The alcohol did not make me aggressive or violent or more bold in any way at that time. Uh, But rather, my spine itself, the literal physical integrity of my skeleton was compromised by all these, uh, I think, what were vodka and orange juice drinks. Over the course of the night, my spine began to liquefy, or at least that's what it felt like. And each vertebrae turned to dough, and the connective tissue uh, and surrounding nerves... And and muscle and fat all turned to pure slime. And by the time I got back to the hotel, this was all happening in Hollywood, California, I could really barely walk upright. And it wasn't uh, what I would call stumbling. I wasn't out of, off balance in a traditional sense, meaning I didn't feel dizzy. I just couldn't hold my head, uh, my neck my back, my abdomen and thorax, and the rest of my skeleton could not be aligned. It had no integrity. It had no strength. There was no support inside of my body. Uh, it really felt like I was a big jelly bag, just a big, uh, a, a big skin bag, really, with uh, a bunch of jelly liquid inside, like a jello body. And it was quite intense, uh, and, and maybe initially amusing but uh, after a few hours of of not being able to even hold my head up properly i began to feel rather distressed and then i fell asleep and the next day i actually didn't feel too bad considering this was my first uh experience with intoxication with drinking uh, such large amounts of alcohol that it actually would affect not just my mood but my physical status, I no longer had traditional human physical status. I had transformed, and that transformation, uh, fortunately, was uh, short-lived. It was not a permanent 
tr- transformation. And actually, I never had that same experience again, no matter how much alcohol I drank after, in the years after that 21st birthday uh, primary alcohol encounter. I never had that spinal uh, disalignment again. And it wasn't for lack of trying. I think there were times I actually went for it, trying to recreate that first uh, memorable, fun type of inebriation and just couldn't do it. And isn't that so common in life? Those uh, groundbreaking experiences that change everything, at least in their freshness, in their newness, in their intensity. And it's quite easy to spend the rest of your life chasing after more experiences like that. Having your mind blown, having your soul blown, having anything blown. You want to get back to that feeling or get forward to that feeling or even top that feeling. But as many people probably have experienced in all different areas of life, it is very hard to ever get it again. The best you can do is hope to get some completely new experience uh, in a totally different way, different area, and sort of allow that high point to just be a high point, almost out of respect. Even a low point in that way can be a high point. And I would say that something like a 21-year-old's first encounter with alcohol was a simultaneous high point and low point. And I am happy to leave it just where it was. It's not something now that I ever feel the need to recreate, just like I don't ever really expect to be able to recreate the first time I ever kissed a girl when I was, I guess, 13, 14 years old. That was a time and a place. It was an era. And it's beautiful to allow things to exist in that we don't need to carry every experience in perpetual recreation forever fortunately through memory and through applying those experiences to our lives and absorbing them into our souls we can actually return to them in some kind of spirit uh, whenever we want and rather than trying to relive them it is much more respectful just to let it be like a beautiful flower left alone and untouched as it grows and flourishes in its own environment, in the woods, it's very tempting to want to pick it, to want to harvest that flower and take it home and put it in a vase on your table and admire it there. But even then, no matter how beautiful the vase may be, no matter how beautiful your home may be or the flower looks in that environment, we know that already it has been uh, lowered from the initial encounter that you had with it in its natural state. And this is not so much about what uh, nature is uh, or the power of the natural world. This is about leaving things that you love alone and knowing when interfering with them or tampering with them or just trying to uh, take them uh, in any capacity will actually damage them more than it will help. Just like a, a beautiful butterfly or moth wing. I guess moth wings specifically, the moths, uh, their wings really rely on that special powder 
their body's own powder that allows them to fly. Uh, it's quite remarkable how delicate that mechanism is. And uh, at the same time, their bodies and their wings are very appealing. They're very fuzzy and fluffy and velvety and soft. And of course, you would want to touch the, that wing. But by touching that wing, you know that you're going to also sort of destroy that wing. So let us always uh, try to keep in mind the power of our ability to infiltrate and influence for better or worse. And that we don't always need to uh, show our love and respect by interacting with something. Sometimes just stepping back and letting it be its own thing is the truest form of respect that we can show. Today's show, I have a lot of topics actually. This is one of those uh, shows where I have a lot of things planned out, but I have learned from past shows that I don't need to uh, list off all the potential topics because we might not get to them, and then it's just, what's the point of having even mentioned it? So we'll go as we go here and see what we cover, but uh, it's some uh, things that I've been thinking about for quite some time. Uh, I imagine that you also can relate to these as usual. I feel almost like... Whatever's occurring to me, I have a gut instinct that it's probably occurring to you in some way or already has, and that it's high time we get into it. So we're going to start with a, a topic that actually came from a letter written in to me from my weekly advice column, and I just uh, I just got totally lost in this topic in a good way, and it took me to all types of feelings and to many different areas of thought that I hadn't ever really considered before and that is the idea of home home not your house your home what is a home i get asked about this a lot never really could answer it so well so uh we're gonna go into that on today's show episode 21 america wk stay with me i'll be right back america wk with your host andrew wk on the blaze radio network Uh, you're going to elect a guy who says he's a socialist and say that Wall Street's all based on fraud. It's all fraud. You know, they're stealing stuff. What's amazing to me, by the way, is I wonder what happens if somehow Bernie edges out Hillary for the nomination, which I think is still a very, very, very remote possibility. But it is a possibility. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew W.K. Welcome back to America W.K. This is Andrew W.K. A true joy to be with you again. Uh, I did a, a radio interview for a public radio station the other day where uh, they actually talked quite a bit about this show. The, the radio host, a wonderful woman named Celeste. And she was asking about the the levels of personal darkness that I had revealed on the show, or at least that seems to be how she was putting it. And you know, it never even really occurred to me 
that the show uh, had been revelatory in that way personally for me. I, I, I guess I, uh, I've been aware that I'm not holding back, but I also hope that this show isn't so much about me in that way. And, and whenever I do offer anything uh, of myself or from myself or my own experiences, it is only to connect with you. Uh, to connect with the concept or idea or truth that we're discussing, to illustrate it as best I possibly can. And this really is uh, just an attempt to tear away at these inner experiences that I think we all are having. Just because they're inside me does not mean they're not inside anyone else. They are uh, shared inner experiences, which is quite remarkable unto itself because you would imagine that something so internal and so personal or so enclosed in someone could be isolated. But in fact, rather than the outer world being the parts we share that are the most profound, it does seem that these inner experiences are the most common and yet the least commonly discussed, seems to me at least, maybe because they are harder to give shape to. They're hard, there, there is some process. There's an intentional effort that you have to make to take what is inside of you and bring it out so that it can be shared, so that it can be discussed, so that it can be related to and appreciated and made useful to more than just yourself. So that's all this radio show really is. It's a, a mechanism by which I have a very formal reason, a very official reason to go through that challenging process, challenging for me at least, to bring out what is inside, to make it that, uh, make it through that process. It's, it's, it's more than a filtration. It's almost the opposite of a filtration. You are trying to extract gold from within something that is not gold. But isn't it beautiful that that gold is in there, in each and every one of us? And isn't it wonderful that we can remind each other that it's there and help each other extract it, help each other recognize it, notice it, you know, locate it? And even if you don't bring it out, just to, uh, to be able to enjoy it in yourself, to develop your own relationship with your inner gold that's uh that's 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 a good thing to do in life i think i mean as far as life goes that may even be what life is for in general learning how to find the goodness in ourselves that this whole process is to teach us how to do that you know it's very interesting to think of life as 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 so meaningful in that regard not meaningful in terms of all these different experiences have uh, interesting lessons to them, but that the entire endeavor, the entire reason that we were brought into being was to actually learn this one very specific thing, how to bring out our inner self and become it or something like that, because who really knows what life is for? That's just one of many possible Ideas. I am not an authority. I'm just an explorer and a very uh, ill-equipped one at that. Uh, and and at, at the same time, I feel like sometimes being ill-equipped forces you to really try hard. Because if you don't have every tool on your tool belt or you don't have a big backpack 
full of uh, high-end equipment, you really have to call on your own resources, on your own strengths, on your own inherent abilities that uh, are within you. And that's what we're doing here. I mean, this is stripped down and raw as far as radio shows go. So, and, and for that, I'm also thankful. Thankful for you, as always, bearing with me and going through this process together. Because it's not just me. I really hope that this is, more than anything, useful for you. And that we can encourage each other to do this together. So before the break, I had mentioned this topic, this new topic for today that that seems as as so many of our topics uh appear so familiar and so commonplace and so almost boring in a way that you wouldn't even think of it as a topic or or in another way it is so vast and so pervasive and so fundamentally connected to our very understanding of being alive in the world that it's hard to even know where to start Yet we are going to try. We are going to try to dive in to this topic, this concept, this idea of home. Home. Home sweet home. Home is where the heart is. There's no place like home. And I bring up this topic because I was—I uh, actually get quite a few letters. Uh, not just written into my weekly advice column in the Village Voice. And I, I, I do want to give a shout out to... The Village Voice and that advice column, because in case you weren't aware, this whole radio show actually came about because of the Village Voice advice column that I've been writing every week since January of last year. So, you know, we're in a year and nine months and a half into doing this. And uh, Mr. Glenn Beck saw one of these columns, invited me on his show a couple times, and then offered me the chance to do this radio show. So it really all goes back, not just even to the Village Voice, but more uh, than anything, to the people who have written in to me with these questions and have inspired me and uh, worked with me to create this back-and-forth conversation, this this letter writing. Someone writes a letter to me, I write a letter back to them, and then we share it with whoever's going to read it, share it with the world. And a question that I've been asked quite a bit are variations on the same question of how how do I stay close to home when I'm far away? It can be someone who travels a great deal, whether it's in the military or for their job. It could be someone who has recently moved away perhaps for the first time, uh, a significant distance away from where they grew up. Uh, That often happens when someone goes to school or settles down to begin a new chapter in their life in a new area. Sometimes people are separated from their families. You know, they're not able to even take their closest loved ones with them uh, on these, these, these journeys or in these relocations. So many times I've been asked, how do you deal with being away from home? And I had answered this kind of question a few times, but uh, much more recently, this week, I I, I wrote an answer that I felt uh, got a little closer to home when it comes to this 
this great question. And as you can imagine, it starts with the understanding that home is not a place at all. It is not a location. It's America WK on the Red Bat. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. It's the saddest thing that's happened in my life. The most heartbreaking thing that's happening to my country in my lifetime. Imagine that a story could be deemed important or unimportant, or important or more important, or less important, depending on the race or ethnicity of the victim or the perpetrator. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. All right, welcome back to America WK. Right before the break there, we're talking about home. And I've been uh, asked many times about how to deal with traveling, with being away from home. I mean, how do I deal with it? I've been traveling. I realize this now that I've been traveling uh, away from home for more or less the last 20 years as a touring entertainer, I mean, going around the world. Uh, there was times when I didn't even have what I would call a home or a house. You know, I didn't have an apartment. I just was traveling so much it made no sense to even pay rent anywhere. I would store my belongings uh, with girlfriend at the time or family members or in a storage space or just try to not have that much stuff. And that was an interesting experience as well. I realized that a lot of what gave me a sense of having a home was just having all this stuff of mine in one place, even if I wasn't there. So what if I took stuff with me instead? Or what if I just didn't have any stuff at all? All of those were challenging to my very uh, fundamental understanding of what it was to have a home or a place of your own. But when thinking about this question, especially when someone is distraught, if you're feeling not just homesick, but truly lost, where in order to be homesick, you still have to have a connection to a home, to a place that you consider yourself to be away from. But what if even that starts to slip away, where you truly feel just lost, that you have no home, that you have no place to return to? That's when things get very intense. And right before the break, I explained what I think is the fundamental truth within this concept of home, is that it is not a place at all. You've probably realized this yourself, uh, especially if you're someone who has moved many times and had many homes. It's clear that you can't have more than one true home if that true home is defined by being a place, a location. You can have many true homes because what made those places homes was, in fact, n not their location. 
and really had very little to do with anything in the physical world, those places that were home were empowered to be home by a feeling. Now, that feeling can come from family and from people and experiences there, but I actually think that it is even less tangible than that. I think home is a place inside you. And for you to be home says it all. You are home. And I don't mean that by you have arrived home, now you're there at that place. I mean you yourself are that place. You are the concept of home. Wherever you go, the goal should be that you are home because you're there. And if you think about it that way, any place that you ever were that did feel like home felt like that because you were there. I realize this can start to disintegrate very quickly into a rather absurd-sounding, nonsensical type of babble, which is just our stock and trade here on America WK. But I'm trying to really express a somewhat inexpressible truth about home. I think, for example, The Wizard of Oz, which does a great job of representing so many fundamental truths, not the least of which is this idea of home. And when Dorothy is saying and being encouraged to say there's no place like home, it's not just to say there's no other place in the whole world that is as good and that I love as much as my home. I think it's actually quite literal that there is no place like home. There is no location that is home, that is like home. Home is not a place. Home is not even like a place. Home is a phenomenon that is occurring inside you. It is an inner confidence and uh, trust that you have within yourself about your own existence. That you are your home. And boy, does that come in handy when you're going around and far away from home or far away from anything. To feel at home within yourself and to see life as another great journey in building that home, in constructing this inner sanctuary or even temple within yourself that allows you to physically be anywhere, but spiritually always be exactly where you are. That is the goal. And that is not to discount, of course, the, the beauty or the significance of what we would call a home in the physical sense, where you grew up as a child, time that was very well spent in formative years, perhaps at a dormitory, perhaps at your first apartment. But even those experiences, all those encounters with those places were all informed and empowered by the home inside yourself. That is the feeling that carries through. That's the consistency that was always there in all these places was you. And in that way, you're never away from home because you're never away from yourself, for better or worse. And that's oftentimes a, a great problem for people 
who don't like the home they've built within themselves, who have uh, struggled with their own inner world, because that's the one thing you take with you. I mean, how many times have you heard of people's efforts to start a new life by moving somewhere, by building a new home, only to find that it feels all too familiar, just a big recreation of what they were doing before? It's because it's inside them. It's inside us, it's inside you, and it's inside me. And that can be a fantastic thing, or it can be a very difficult, challenging thing if that home is all messed up. So let these outer experiences of life help us construct this perfect, beautiful inner home. It's sort of the feeling of being yourself. And as usual, it's hard to put words on these intangible sensations. But I sort of feel like, the feeling of home that you would get from a comforting, familiar place like a family member's house or your, 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 where you grew up is that, is that you're able to connect that surrounding area, the room, the furniture, the smells, the memories. You're able to use those to almost bounce back into yourself, that those places helped you understand who you were uh, in reverse. You know what I mean? Like you see yourself through that room, through that painting on the wall, through that fireplace, through the old bedroom with posters on uh, on your door that connect you to yourself. So when we go around uh, and are very distant from those familiar places, what can we do to see ourselves in even the unfamiliar? What can we do to hold on to that part of ourselves that is always there and will see us through these very confusing and distressing times. You are home. That is a very good way to think of it. I think that's a very easy and to the point way. You are always home because you actually literally are the concept of home. It is a person. It is a being in yourself. It is a mode of being a, a way of being a way of living. It's America WK. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu. There should be zero restrictions with how much money you spend on politics. Zero. It's your freaking money. If you want to run ads saying low taxes are good, you should be able to do that all the time. (laughs) You should be able to spend your entire fortune on that. How can I go out and spend it on boats and airplanes and houses and food? Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK, and we've been talking about the idea of home. H-O-M-E. Being home, finding home, being away from home. What is home? And uh, I'm a small expert on being away from what I used to consider home, like where I grew up or where my house was, things like that. And I have come to the conclusion personally, or at least at this point, a, a temporary conclusion 
a conclusion that has plenty of room to grow and change, that there is no such thing as home. There is no place like home. Home is an internal understanding of yourself, that you are home. And that can be painful to realize in one way, but it really shouldn't be because it allows us to take with us all the places that we ever considered home and to know that any experience we had there that was meaningful, that was comforting is still inside us. It happened to us inside of ourselves. In fact, we happened to that place. It's not so much that that place, that home had an impact on us. We had an impact on it. We made it home by us being there, by the other people being there. And that came from inside of us. And that carries on. That stays with us. We take that away from the place. The place doesn't have that. We have that. And that's okay. It's all right to be able to own that ourselves, to not give all the power and credit to really the material world. That is when pain and suffering increases, when we put so much power into the hands, so to speak, of objects, of locations, of of the past. It's all happening inside us, even people. If you miss a person, remember that even when that person was right in front of your face, your encounter with them, your experience of them was happening inside of you, inside your head, inside your soul, inside your spirit, however you want to think about it. What you appreciated about them, what you got from that experience, what was valuable about that was all occurring inside of you. And that can occur inside of you a million miles away from that person. Whatever you have from that person is still inside of you and can never go away if you hold on to it and appreciate it. It's all inside. It's all happening inside. That is the real life. And whatever's occurring outside is only valuable in as much as it empowers or positively affects what is going on inside. It's shocking. It's shocking to think of things in that way. It's very challenging. It almost is the exact opposite of how things appear. It seems like at first that the real world is made up of places and locations and things and objects outside of us. But even if that is the case, any valuable encounter we have with those things, those places, those objects is still occurring inside, in the inner world. So be glad about that. Because here is a world that is always portable, that is always with us, that doesn't require us to be any particular place that doesn't require us to have any particular thing. It gives us all the power because it's all inside of us already. If we're there, it is there. If we go someplace, it comes along. It is inseparable from us. It is us. It is the truest version of you that there could ever be. And you can't get away from it, for better or worse. So make it a good world. I mean, if the beautiful thing is that we have more power over constructing this world than we do with any outer world experience. You can't have much influence on that at all. And if you do, you're certainly spending that energy 
arguably in a, in, a, in a wasteful way compared to the impact you can make spending that energy on what you have inside of you already. There's much more we can do to improve our lives by working from the inside out. Really, no problem can be solved from the outside in. And even if it is solved, it's just some type of band-aid. We have to heal things, fix things, improve things from the center, from the core. And that actually begins in us, not in anyone else. Can't fix someone else's problems for them. They have to do it from inside. The best we can do is remind each other of that and remind each other that we have the power already. No one can do it for you because they can't do it for you. It's not like they don't want to. It's not like they're being selfish. It's not like they wouldn't if they could. They just simply can't. That's just not how it works. I don't know why. It's just one of the laws of the world, just like gravity. We don't know exactly why gravity works the way it does or how. Isn't that amazing? We know that it's there. And that's just something about the human experience as well. You have to figure these things out for yourself. I can't figure it out for you. You can't figure it out for me. And yet we can help each other figure it out for ourselves. You know, that's the the one thing we can do. It's like, I can't do much more for you than say, hey, do it yourself. But there's something in that that is extremely helpful and important. That's almost the humanity of it. I mean, we can benefit each other with kindness, but almost even that kindness is simply just there to encourage one to make the efforts for themselves. And it can come off as cold, but it's not meant to come off as cold or detached or, or, or selfish. It's simply the way it is. So build up a good home inside yourself. Remember that it's always with you. Remember that you're never away from home. You are home. It's America WK. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. And I'm thinking the same thing. I'm alone. I'm alone. And nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing. could. There are, and I know this may come as a shock to many of you, there are many liberty-loving Latinos out there who adore the U.S. Constitution, who revere the United States of America, who understand the ramifications of a country of laws, a nation of laws. Chris Salcedo. Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. Today's topic is home. And all we've really done so far is try to redefine or more carefully define home as a way of being, not a location or a place, but more of an inner feeling. And in fact, more than just an inner feeling, it is in, in a way, it's the world of inner feelings inside you. 
home is your inner world. And the degree to which we can experience that wherever we are, regardless of its unfamiliarity or even its chaotic intensity, we will always be able to have peace to the extent that we can find power in who we are to know who we are in a way that transcends the very idea of knowing and turns into a sort of pure being to the degree that we can do that, we will be okay. It's almost a release rather than a clinging, a desperate grasping for security. It is a release and a falling back into one's own natural strength. The strength of purely existing at all. When we think about home as a location, like a house that you're going to live in, an apartment, a dwelling place, a realm in which you return to physically time and time and time again, there can be a lot to do here. It can be a lot of fun. It can also be very stressful. I've certainly found myself getting caught up in this idea of perfecting the place in which I live, trying to sort of reduce its flaws and bring out its best features, not just aesthetically, not just how it looked, but how it felt to be in there, how it physically felt, how it emotionally felt. And you think basic things like having uh, nice objects, decorating the house, hanging some pictures on the wall. Sometimes these can improve the way it feels to a degree. But I've been in very, very beautiful houses owned by other people who had lived there for a very long time. And I felt no more comfortable or really impressed than I would being in a very cheap motel room. And I realized that the good times that I could have with friends, with family, even by myself, had nothing to do really with the level of creature comforts, we might call them, or ornate decorations or sort of the beauty of the home. For example, we all can imagine and maybe have experienced very beautiful homes, very richly appointed, luxuriously designed, all the top high-end appliances, all the, the nicest toys uh, for adults and children, everything you could ever imagine that's supposed to imply success and having made it in the material world. And yet, the lives lived inside that space were in total disarray, were totally broken, were as far from lavish and rich and luxurious as possible. The inner home in each family member in that house was in total turmoil. And really, all that effort, all that money, all that time, all that energy that went into sprucing up and building this palace of visible wealth was just a big distraction from having to dive deeper in the other direction and build up one's own inner principles, to build up one's own inner values, to fix oneself from the inside out. And then you could live in a shack and have the greatest time ever, and none of that would matter. 
it's just like we were talking about earlier with the Band-Aid problem. Fixing things from the outside in just doesn't work. You can have all the most impressive cars, all the, the signs of having made it as a person, and yet you've made nothing because you have done no work on building your inner structures. And until that is repaired, brought into fitness, brought into form, brought into a level of, of goodness, no place will ever work. No place will ever feel like home. No object or house or structure will ever be able to placate the pain and the confusion. It has to come from the inside. And this is just the thing you see time and time again. Once you go down that road thinking that you can make life good through stuff, through the size of the house, through the number of bedrooms, through the fixtures, like uh, how modern and fancy the sink is or how many nozzles the shower has, all of that is less than secondary because none of it could do anything to improve the way you feel inside. It's only going to make you feel something on the outside. And even then, it might not make you feel anything. And it really puzzles people. It's a painful and puzzling and confusing experience to think I've done everything right. Look at what I have here. I'm looking around, and yet I'm not happy. Why? Because it doesn't happen out there. Happiness doesn't exist out there. Home doesn't even exist out there. It all exists inside. And that's a harder place to see. It actually isn't. You know, it can seem like, oh, well, it's so much easier to deal with material stuff, to buy a really fancy car because I can see it. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can't see this inner world. I can't touch this inner world. In fact, that's all you're seeing. It's just so up close that you can barely recognize it. It is so all-pervasive that it's hard to get the perspective to even note. It's more that we can't believe that that could possibly actually be how it is. It seems too simple. It seems like it's some sort of a, a trick, like a little mind game that people say because they don't really actually understand the world. I mean, you hear this quite often that, oh, well, people that think, uh, you know, your inner life is all that matters, that's just because they're poor. And that's the way to make themselves feel better because they can't afford to buy really, really expensive stuff. Well, that's, of course, one way to think of it. But maybe there's a little more to it than just uh, jealousy in that case or uh, a way of trying to make oneself feel better in absence of all these material possessions. It's actually because those things just clutter up the process. They're icing on the cake. You know when you get to buy a really big, fancy, expensive car once you've tackled all these other things? Otherwise, just expect it to add more stress. It's just going to clutter up the process. I think fancy cars are fantastic. They're absolutely tremendous. But they don't even hold a speck of a spark of a glimpse of a candle to how amazing things are that have nothing to do with cars. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's not to say that these things don't have their place. It's just that their place is so far removed from the one and only place that it's hard to even compare them.
And it doesn't mean you can't have both. It doesn't mean that you can't pursue an inner life and still enjoy outer experiences. It's just to say that you don't get them confused and you keep them in their own place with a clear understanding of what each one provides because you can never find peace of mind in a car. And any peace of mind you do find in the car is actually being found inside yourself and you're just giving credit to the car, kind of like Dumbo's magic feather. Dumbo thought that that he could fly because of this feather when in fact the feather was just a mechanism to get himself deeper in touch with what was already in him this power inside himself and eventually he realized that and was able to relinquish the feather doesn't mean he didn't still maybe appreciate the feather love the feather for what it was but he knew that it was secondary it it wasn't the key it wasn't the trick he was the key he always was the key what was inside of him is and always was the most important we're going in we're rambling this is america wk i can't thank you enough be right back this is america wk with andrew wk on the blaze radio network The exception to this, and I say this in the piece, is Ted Cruz, who despite being an insider in the sense that he's in the Senate, qualifies as an outsider because he's willing to just run headfirst into the machinery of the GOP leadership. I mean, he'll just go right at it, and he's been willing to do that very publicly. It's one thing to say you're doing it, oh, behind closed doors, I'm enough. No, Ted's taken the GOP leadership to task, and he's done it very publicly. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Today's topic is home. And I've been semi-successfully tackling it in the best ways that I know how, which seems to be a rather scattershot, rambling, raving and ranting approach. But hopefully we're getting somewhere here. I want to talk a little bit about hotels. Because that is where I spend a huge portion of my time. We've talked a lot about traveling. Those sort of uh, in-between areas like the road when you're driving in a car. And you're moving from one place to another. You're not really anywhere but you are there airports trains but hotels are interesting because in terms of traveling if you're not living at the hotel for many 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 days or weeks or months then it in a sense is sort of like a car and it may not be moving down the road but when you're in a car you're still you're still in yourself you're not really moving in terms of the way you're moving when you're walking or running, your body is, is, is still as you're moving along the road. And when you're in a hotel, your body is still, but I have this sensation that it's still part of this movement. Like there's an adrenaline, 
associated with travel that kind of keeps you in that headspace, that keeps you from settling down too much because you know you're going to have to get right up the next day and leave again. And I really, really love hotels. I have loved hotels for as long as I can remember. My favorite part about family trips back when I was a child was the hotels. And I actually don't remember very much about the trips other than the hotels, the smell of the hotel room. Every now and then I come across a hotel that has this certain smell that the hotel rooms had when I was a child. It's some type of soap or cleanser, detergent. Uh, Part of me wants to actually track it down so I could start using that product, whatever it is, all the time. But then another part of me wants to allow it to remain this mysterious signifier uh, for traveling and hotels and, and what it was when I was younger and what it still is now. And with hotels, there's an inconsistent consistency, meaning that even if you stay at a very wide range of hotels, maybe not all the same brand, not all the same company, but just really mix it up. There's a consistency in the experience. You have your little room. You know that other people have stayed in that room, maybe even thousands of people. You know that there's going to be a bathroom. Well, assuming that you're staying in a traditional hotel, you know there's going to be a bed. There's probably going to be some kind of TV. But then there's all these variations. There's all these differences within that Sometimes those are interesting. Sometimes they may be irritating. Sometimes they may mean nothing. But in all these inconsistent consistencies, there's one reliable, rock-solid constant. And that's you. When I'm traveling through hotels, the one thing that I know will always be the same is that I'll be there. And something else I've always really counted on in these kinds of travels feeling very discombobulated. I mean, for the first years of touring as a rock and roll musician, when I was probably starting, you know, age 21, touring full-time, as I mentioned, to the extent where I just stopped having a house at all, I I just moved out and put my stuff everywhere else. There was no point in paying rent because I never was there. I didn't even go back there. The few days that I had off, I would usually go visit my parents or go be with my girlfriend. And in that type of chaos, there were a few things that I really clung to. And one was music itself, not just because I was performing music every night on stage as a touring musician, but music in my head. At that time, I didn't rely too strongly on a music playback device or headphones. I had friends that had them. There were early versions of MP3 players and computers. Of course, I would bring actually a lot of CDs with me on tour and uh, hope to find CD players or purchase inexpensive CD players or boom boxes to listen to music while traveling. But I found uh, quite quickly, I discovered that it was much easier just to sing those songs to yourself. And more than that, just to 
close off your eyes and ears and mouth and hear the song in your head. And few things gave me as much sense of comfort and well-being and consistency in the midst of the chaos of traveling, in the midst of the chaos of new experiences, in the midst of the chaos of the unknown. Few things gave me uh, as much comfort as music. The inner music that I could just hear in my head, just when you imagine a song that you really like, you can hear it. It's in there. And that's what got me in touch with that whole understanding that everything was in there. I could be in a completely chaotic environment going through who knows what and still just sit back on the bed for a moment, close my eyes and return to myself and realize I had never left. And realigning with that really helped. I mean, I was able to do that in all kinds of stressful situations. Just realized it was never that far from anything because I was there. And things like music really, really proved it to me. They really proved that I was there, that there was this inner consistency in the midst of all the other inconsistent craziness that may have been going on. And so now I really love these kinds of travels because I know that I can go through all of it, even really frightening travel experiences with this kind of built-in friendly security. It's sort of like having a best friend with you and you realize that best friend is you. But it's the inner you. It's like the true you. It's a you that allows the other you or the outer you to go and do all this other stuff and to take risks or not even be okay at times because the real you is okay and is safely protected from all that other stuff. I mean, the real you can become damaged. You have to be careful. You have to respect yourself, who you really are. But ideally, that inner you is so strong that you can even go away from it and then return to it. And it will still be there. That's why you never have to feel alone. You never have to feel alone. You never have to feel far from home because you're always there. And if you're there, home is there. To be your own best friend is not a type of necessarily stoic isolation. To be your own best friend is just to appreciate what it is to exist. This is America WK. I can't thank you enough for being with me on this. I'll be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. The emails the media is seeing, and thus we are seeing, are the ones Hillary pre-washed like uh, stu- you know, denim jeans, you know, stone dried jeans. She pre-washed these and gave them to the suckers. Us, we're seeing what she's feeding us. 
Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. You know, this has been one of those shows where I went in perhaps slightly overconfident, bit off more than I could chew with this topic of home and now just feel extraordinarily frustrated. And isn't it interesting that what I thought was going to be such a simple and such an approachable topic, the easiest topic like home has now left me feeling uh, perplexed and dismayed and struggling and frustrated it's just one of those things. It is so difficult for me, and I do think a lot of this is just because of my own shortcomings. It's just difficult to 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 try to express some of these ideas. They, the, the, the best that I can hope for is not to really explain or express the idea, but to explain or express some reflection of the idea or uh, sort of a a reference to one maybe little corner of the idea just with the hopes that then you could say, oh yeah, and that's about what, that's what that feels like to me. Because I could never explain what you're feeling. I could barely even begin to explain what I think it is that I'm feeling. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating in a way that makes me just want to laugh. Because it's so futile. It's so completely pointless to actually get mad about this kind of thing because it's all part of the game. You can't expect to go into indescribable topics and then suddenly feel like you can describe them. I just thought it was going to be so easy to talk about home. In some ways, it's the thing I have more experience with than ever. I mean, we all do. The only thing I have more experience with than this idea of home is maybe the idea of breathing. Good thing I didn't pick breathing as a topic because that's probably even harder to talk about. These fundamental ideas, these core essences, these presences, these building blocks of life that are so easy to take for granted only because they're so overwhelming, like the sky, like a mountain. It's very easy to say, yeah, a mountain. There it is. I can picture one in my head. I can describe it. I can even draw one very easily by just making an upside-down V on this piece of paper. But to actually try to tear into that mountain physically, literally, or just figuratively, is extremely challenging. But I suppose that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And if there's anything I can feel sort of good about in doing this show with you is it's least, at least we're trying. I think at times there are very brief moments 
of what might be considered the potential for success. And maybe that's, maybe that's all that matters. Even if it's a huge, huge rate of failure, maybe even the 0.0001% of the time that you actually might get a glimpse of something true makes all the rest worth it. Maybe all the rest isn't even a waste in that regard. It's sort of like mining for gold, like we were talking about before. You go through a lot to get to that little piece of gold. And you'd like to make it more efficient. You'd like to think that you could streamline this process of understanding life and just cut right to the chase, right to the quick, right right to the point. And I and I I I know there are people out there that can do it. And let us just be very patient as we make our own efforts to attain that level of directness, that efficiency in mining out the gold from life. As usual, maybe it's all part of the process. It's all part of the journey, that there is no waste, that all of it is gold, that the process of mining where it seems like you went through all this work and all this wasted effort just to get to this tiny little gem of meaning or truth, and that the rest was all just waste, just garbage. Maybe none of it was garbage. And maybe even the gem wasn't even the gem. I mean, you can always apply that old saying, the journey is the destination to just about everything. That the whole process counts that everything counts either everything counts or nothing counts and it seems like it wouldn't exist for no reason so it must count maybe it doesn't all count in the same way but maybe every color is beautiful you know what i mean every number is significant every aspect of what we're going through is supposed to be there. And that's a scary idea. It seems very overwhelming, in fact. It feels better to want to whittle things down and make definitive judgment calls so that we can organize our experiences a little more. So it's not just this wash of endless quantity where everything needs to be given its fear fair share of of our attention but maybe that's just what it is i mean my mind could easily go down a, a a road of thought and 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 not stop do you feel like that you start thinking about one thing like i'm looking at this water bottle here next to me and you could think about that for the next hour and it could take you down a million roads of thought now i've talk to people that said, told me that's overthinking and it's a type of anxiety because I'll think about the the cap on top of this bottle and how it's smaller than the caps they used to do in the past and how I, that's saving uh, landfill space. It's creating less garbage, but maybe it's a choking hazard. Uh, it's more easily choked upon now by children. 
And why even have a bottle of water here when there's a sink right next to me as well that I could drink from the tap, but maybe the tap water is contaminated. And next thing you know, you've just spent a fair amount of time and energy thinking about all this stuff. Now, does any of that matter or not? The other day, my dad told me that all of this stuff was worth thinking about, or at least that it was better to think about it than not think about anything. It seems like not thinking is often presented as this grand type of relaxation to just sort of turn off all of this wondering, all this confusion and questioning. But there is a type of clarity even in the confusion. There are answers even in the act of questioning. I was thinking that maybe even being a good person is just the act of trying to be a good person. I hope so. I hope that counts. This is America WK. Don't go away. America WK with Andrew WK, the undisputed king of partying. On the Blaze Radio Network! Buck Sexton. Iran is going nuclear. It's going to happen within our lifetime. It's going to happen within a generation. It'll probably happen within 10 years. Then we face a very different scenario. While they're telling us there won't be an arms race in the Middle East, of course, John Kerry's also saying, oh, we're, we're arming the Israelis with even more stuff, and we're giving them the F-35, and we're giving the Saudis more. We're giving, Yeah, we're arming up the whole Middle East, but we're not worried about an arms race. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. This has been our 21st episode. I guess this means now we're crossing into a new era for this humble show. I've been on tour for the past 3 weeks or so and one of the great memories that's been forming uh, on this tour is that more than any of the other recent tours or travels I've done, I've talked with people and maybe even you at some of these shows and some of these events that I've gotten to do. And you have told me that you've been listening to this show. And as far as something that someone could tell me that would mean something to me, Right now, that has meant a huge amount. Because getting feedback of any kind is always very valuable. But knowing that uh, you've taken the time uh, and, and, and had the patience, even more so, to be with me for this show, for the other episodes, for any of it, I can just not over, I cannot overstate how much that means to me not just because it's encouraging and motivating it lets me feel like this is not just me screaming at a wall but that uh you're getting something from it that we're getting something from it so just know how 
thankful I am. And if you've come up to me and, 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 and told me that, or if you wrote to me on the computer or any, any kind of, of feedback, even if I hadn't responded yet to you specifically, just know it is not lost on me. I cannot overstate that enough. I just do not take it for granted at all that you're listening. More than listening, that you're thinking about this. Listening is, is, is great. But engaging with me on this, that's much greater. I want you to be thinking about this with me. About this, this being life. Thinking about life together. Not listening to one person ramble on about life really don't want that to be all this show is. I want it to be us thinking about life. Thinking about it with an, ex an extreme amount of energy. Almost a tireless kind of excitement. I never thought years and years ago that life could be about life. That you could make your life be about being alive. That you can make the most interesting and exciting thing about your own existence be thinking about life. I didn't think that was really possible. I thought you had to, to, to do things. That, that doing things were the most important. But now, I think that even doing things, whatever the, it is that you might do, is really only important to the extent that it helps you think more about life. Or learn more about life. Or that through the doing, you get some kind of deeper insight. That life is interesting in and of itself. And the more we can clear the way, clear out the space to see what's already happening. To see that just existing at all is the most fantastically over-the-top thing that could ever happen. And it's happening to us and always has always has happened to us. Holy smokes, I'm really uh, tangled up here. Oh, I don't know what to feel here. But one thing I know is I, I will not stop. That is the one, one decision that I have made in the midst of many other decisions, many other struggles, many other debates, back and forths, this and that's the others, discouragement, inspiration, motivation, total dismay. At one point, not too long ago, I just decided that no matter what happened, I just wouldn't stop. If it wasn't easy, if I felt like I was doing a terrible job, that wasn't a reason to stop. It couldn't stop. Even if nothing was going right, it was things were failing, I was completely depressed. I just wouldn't stop. Couldn't stop. That was the the one and only promise I made to myself in terms of doing this work. This work being trying to live, you know, trying to live beyond eating and drinking and breathing and going to the bathroom and finding a place to get shelter every night. That you just would never fully give up. And there would be moments when you would feel like stopping and you would feel like going against that promise and that the, even the promise itself was stupid and it's always just 
dumb and just might as well give up. It's time. And you just, you just take away that option for yourself. You remove the option of quitting. It is not an option. Even if you decide to quit and you think you did, you actually don't. It's the agreement that you make with your own soul. And no matter how good or bad things are, we just know that we will keep going. So thank you for going with me wherever it is that we just went. I hope that where we went was somewhere deeper inside the place that we always are. The place that is truly home. I feel at home talking with you. And I wish you nothing but love and goodness and joy and laughter. This has been America WK. I will speak to you very soon. Stay strong. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.